You're listening to the Flying Goat Farm Podcast with your host, Lisa Check. This podcast is for people who love yarn and fiber and sheep, who love to knit and crochet and maybe even felt. We will be talking about the crossroads between keeping sheep and goats, making yarn, and expressing your colorful self. Hello, thanks for joining me today as we talk about being a color explorer, the second part of this. Here's what's happening on the farm. So um, we're definitely um, in spring. We have um, so many trees in bloom and the, um, the wisteria is starting to bud out. I can't wait for that to happen. Um, Bill has been out planting all day. He planted garlic and onions and he's doing peas right now. Um, we've got some trees delivered and they need to be put into pots. Um, we made the mistake a few years ago by taking the, th- these trees, bare root trees, and just putting them directly in the orchard where we wanted them. And they either died or they became terribly misshapen or they were eaten by deer. And so we decided that this time we were going to try them in pots for the first year to really give them um, a good foundation before we set them out. And so we're hoping that that will work. So here's where we add it in the um, in the color exploration situation. In the last podcast, um, we talked about the twelve hue family. So your red, your blue, your yellow, then your secondaries, your orange, your purple, your green, and then your tertiaries, which would be your yellow, orange, and red, orange, all the way up, so that you have these twelve hue families. We talked about like the biology of how we see color and how what I see as color is going to be different from what you see as color because genetically um, our, we are different and the number of rods and cones in our eyes may totally be different as well. And we talked about the physics of color. Like why is why does a pepper look green or red or you know what happens when something is white or black? I was hoping for your homework, if you decided to join me on this little adventure, that you would go back into your collection and really have a good look at it and see if, you know, what color families are there. Are you missing anything in particular? Um, And if you are, um, maybe it's time to make your wish list. Um, Maybe you need to add some yellow or orange or something like that in there just for a pop of color. It doesn't have to be... The whole project, just a pop of color, and we'll talk about why that's important today. So let's delve a little deeper into color. First of all, the ambient light, the light with with which you are looking at an object really makes a difference on what color you're going to see. So at sunrise and sunset, you have different ambient colors. At sunrise, the color is more blue. And at sunset, it is more orange. And so you're, if you're looking at something through those ambient colors, it's going to throw off what the true color of that object is. And when it's a very sunny day, the colors will appear more washed out. And that's because 
you know, you've got all this light, you know, pouring down on this object and reflecting back up into your eyes. And so your irises are going to go very, or your pupils, sorry, are going to go very small. And so not a lot of light is going to get through and it's going to become more grayed out. Um, we have noticed at certain outside fiber festivals, like the one at Montpelier, the fall fiber festival, um, at one time that they had tents that were gold and white. And so if you were in the section where there was like a gold stripe, then everything in your booth looked gold. So that's why we have made sure to invest in booth lighting that is, you know, 100% true color. Um, it's a certain Kelvin number, which I forgot to ask Bill. Um, I'll see if I can put it into the notes. Um, but there's, it, it's like really true daylight, full spectrum color. And so when you see something in my booth, you know that that's the color that it's going to be. So then let's really get into how can it be that we have only 12 U families, but when you look out into the environment or into artwork um, or into fabric that you see hundreds of colors, right? Not just 12. And so here's the first part of that. And that is something called tints and shades and tones. So tints are when you take the saturated hue, um, in this case, if you're watching the YouTube video, I have a picture of a really pretty, like a blue violet color that is really saturated and you're adding various amounts of white to it and it will become more and more dilute and the colors change instead of having it being a blue, maybe you have a robin's egg blue or you have a royal blue. So you have all these different things that would be in the regular blue family but they are more dilute, not as um, saturated because that white has been added to it. Your tones are come when you add, when it's the color plus gray. And so they're a little more muted in color, not totally dark yet, but kind of muted, kind of middle of the road. And then a shade is when you have that color and you add black to it. And there you get really dark, colors and even sometimes these would go into something that would read as black so it would look like a neutral except that you have um, it, it's the basis of that neutral is a blue so it's it's called a chromatic neutral so this is where these three nuances tint tone and shade is gonna like exponentially grow the number of colors into the hundreds or into the thousands, just by those three simple things, whether you're adding white to it, you're adding gray to it, or you're adding black to it. And this is also where um, it, these three nuances can add so much depth and interest in your um, in your garment or your finished work. And this is where um, semi-solids come into play because with dye, I can't add white. There's no such thing as a white dye, right? But if I have places on my skein that are a little bit more white 
and places on my skein that are a little bit more saturated, you're going to get movement in those semi-solids that really add interest. And at the same time, let's say it's a variegated color and you have um, a gray on one side, you have your, um, your color family, whatever that is, red, orange, or pink, or whatever, next to it. And when the where those two meet, you're going to get a third color. So you're going to get the gray, you're going to get a chromatic gray pinky color, and then the pink. And so again, you have these colors flowing into each other and having different nuances that is going to give interest in your final project. And I think a lot of this is where those spreckles, why we like the, those spreckly yarns so much, because they just give you like little pops of color that can integrate at next to other colors to make, you know, these little um, chromatic neutral colors next to each other. Kind of fun. Value. Value is one of the hardest characteristics to explain, and it's one of the hardest to discern. And basically, it's how light or dark a color is. And it doesn't have to do with the tints or tones, although the easiest way to talk about value is to talk about it as a grayscale. But basically, it's how light or dark a color is. And, I, and so, again, on the YouTube, um, on the PowerPoint, I have uh, I've shown you a grayscale. This is only a five step grayscale. There's um, the most. Um, the typical one that's used, I believe, has 10, 8 or 10 steps to it. I think that's what Ansel Adams uses, um, used in his photographs to make sure that there was a lot of contrast in there. Um, so the way that you can do this in real life, it, there are two ways to do it. One way is to, like, squint your eyes and when, so you're reducing the amount of light that's coming into your eyes and it kind of grays out your skein and you can see which parts of that skein are a little darker and which parts of those skeins is a little lighter. So you're, you're by squinting your eyes, making really squinty eyes that it um, kind of grays out your um, it takes the color away. And so you can kind of see if that is uh, has a lot of different values in it, or if the skein maybe has all one value in it. The easiest way to do it is they have these color evaluator tools. There's, again, there's a picture here. Um, they're available on Amazon, not very much money. Um, mostly I have used the red one. There's a red and a green one in the package. Um, and basically, you put this in front of your skein. Look, you look through it at a skein or your finished product or fabrics that you're going to pick for a quilt. And it, it grays it out for you. And you can see how many different values that you have. So um, if you're wanting to, especially if you're doing something like color work, if you're going to spend all that time doing stranded color work or doing even mosaic or interlock, any kind of color work, you want to make sure that the colors can be seen against each other. So you want to make sure there's enough contrast, enough change in value in order to see, to make, to make all that work worth it. So that's when I would really, really use that. 
Um, there was a time when I just carried one of these in my purse, especially when I was doing a lot of quilting and I could just whip it out at the quilting store and look at the different fabrics. Now that we live in the, in the time of, um, of cell phones, right? We really shouldn't even call them phones. They're like little computers in our pockets. Um, you can do this really easily by, um, taking a picture of your yarn or fabric or your garment, um, or, or the set of yarns that you're thinking about using for uh, stranded color work, take a picture of that. And then in the, in the photo editor, change it to black and white, and that will show you what the values are. And if all of the values are similar you're not going to see any of your color work. So you need to make sure that you have some really light, light values and some darker values so that you can see the pattern that's going to emerge from your background and your contrasting yarns. So saturation. Saturation is, again, whether it is how intense or dilute the color is, um, and for the sake of comparison here, um, I've the darkest, most intense saturated color on the color wheel is it's going to be your violet. It's the darkest color and the lightest color, even when it's saturated, is yellow. It just is the way it is. The other ones are kind of in the middle there. Um, and how's and so saturation is, is it going to be more dilute? Do you have it being a really intense violet color or is it more lavender? Light, lavender would be more dilute. Is it going to be a really intense lemony yellow or is it going to be the color of a yellow rose? Something like that. So that is your saturation and contrast. So again, this is going to be your value. It's your values, but it's also your saturation. Um, and this is where, again, we can really work at improving color confidence and making sure that, that what you're making works. So contrast is the difference in value and separation in your uh, saturation in your projects or in your individual yarn or in the roving or in the fabrics that you pick. Um, again, here you can use that red, the red lens, the color evaluator. And it's also a really great place to um, use this as self-reflection. Because here again is a place where our color sensibility is different from person to person. Um, you can test this out or look at at this as a self-reflection by number one, looking at that Pinterest board, if you made it and looking at the types of pictures that you choose, do you choose pictures that are, um, a high contrast, like really bright brights and really light lights and really dark darks? Or do you pick something like that's more pastel and calm and, um, and, you know, more of the same kind of values, you know, what, what is, what is your color sensibility about that? You can look at the, the projects that you're most proud of and, and discern this 
Again, looking at photographs or your Pinterest board, looking at your color, looking at your yarn collection too, because if you are someone who likes high contrast all the time, you're going to be picking skeins that are high contrast. And if you're someone that really likes low contrast, you're going to have more low contrast skeins in your, in your collection. So that's just a fun exercise to do. I know for me, I'm a high contrast person. I, what excites me a lot is like Amish quilts where there's a deep, dark background and then you have these highly saturated, colorful blocks. And the yarn that I am most proud of that I make has that sensibility to it. I like the other ones too, and there's a place for them as well. But um, if it's something that I'm going to be making for myself, I like those that really high contrast um, color sensibility. And this is, here's another um, characteristic or principle that is going to affect your finished products. And that's the concept of advancing colors and receding colors. And again, this is where we talk about like the main color and the contrasting color, the background and the, um, the detail. So for me, advancing colors are my preference. So when you put bright colors or any color, it could be, it could be soft colors, but if you put light colors with deep, dark colors, those lighter colors are going to come out at you. They're going to advance towards you and the deep, dark colors are going to go into the background. And I love that look. If you took that same exact, the same exact colors of your pattern, let's say, but you change the background to white or light color, then you're going to have the white, the background's going to come out at you and your pattern blocks are going to go away from you. And so it's just, a, it's an interesting, you know, color sensation for that. So again, this is a place for you to look at your projects, especially the, the one, looking at the ones that you're really proud of, but also taking a look at those ones where you say, ah, you know what, something not quite right. Something um, that I'm really not that thrilled about. And look at it in, these, in, in this light. Is it a contrast problem? Or is it advancing receding problem? Like, do you have too much, is the background too white and it should have been maybe darker so you could see your pattern blocks? So, you know, taking a, a good look at those things. And this is all a way to, you know, educate ourselves in the brain, educating our eyes, and then getting to the two getting those two parts together this is what really excites my eyes and my brain and my now my brain can say oh I like that because it's advancing receding colors or I like that because I'm a high contrast person or conversely I like that because I'm a low contrast person and it makes me feel calm 
And I do like having the background come out at me because I really like that yarn. So here's another term that people throw around quite a bit, and that's warm and cool colors. And um, basically, it, it, this is another place for you to do some you know, self-reflection, like do you prefer warm colors or cool colors? So your warm colors are like the colors of the sun. Um, they're gonna be reds and yellows and oranges, that side of the color wheel. And the cool colors are gonna be like watery colors, like your blues and your greens and your purples. But there are also nuances there, like we've talked about with the tints and tones and shades. So you can have, um, you can have a, a, a dead-on violet, or you can have a violet that is um, a cool one. So you have that would be one that would have a little bit more blue in it. So it's it's not quite to the blue violet family, but it's just a little bit off from the pure violet color. But again, you could also have a warm purple where it's just a little bit of red added to it, but not enough to be the red violet. So these are very small little nuances in there that will change um, the way you see things. I think um, one of the biggest places that I see this warm, cool color thing play out is in red. It is really hard to find in yarn, in a dyed product, that especially that is an indie dyer product, not something that's big industrial. It's hard to find a true red. The reds that are available for dyers are always a little this side or a little that side of true red. For instance, there's one there's one that's called cayenne, which it isn't it isn't a red orange, but it's on the orange side of red. It, but it's not all the way to a red orange yet. And then you have other ones. I'm trying to think of some names here that would be um, like would be on the bluish side of red. What am I thinking? Probably like oxblood or scarlet is on the bluer side of red. So it's going to be on the cool side. It's not the true red. It's just a little bit off. And so for me to for me to get a true red, I have to be mixing a lot of different reds together so that they kind of cancel those reds, those cool colors and those warm colors kind of cancel each other out so that I can get something that's a true red. That happens to me with black as well. Black is because since black is a composite color, there's no such thing as a black dye. It's a, a combination of all kinds of dyes. So you will have a, a like a green black, one, one that has a lot like a green undertone. You'll have a purpley black. You may have a red black. So my truest black that I have, I take three different blacks and put them together. And that's because the all of those nuances are going to cancel each other out so that it, they bring it back into center of black. So that's probably a little nerdy for me to be talking about, and maybe you don't care that much about it, but that's how, you know, it, it, that's why it's so hard if you say, I want a Christmas red. Why can't I find a Christmas red? 
Um, or if you come to my booth and you say, well, that's purple. And I say, but yeah, but it's really black, but it's, it has a purple cast. You know, that's, that's the nerdy biology chemistry part of it. Uh, when you get, you know, down to the nitty gritty of, you know, acid dyes. So here we go. Until next time, if you're taking this journey with me, and I hope that some of you are, um, here are some things that you can do, some exercises to build your color confidence and to work with your collection. So again, visit that collection and look for your, for your preferences. Um, warm versus cool, dilute versus saturated, high contrast versus low contrast, advancing versus... Um, versus receding colors. Um, look at your projects and I, they could be completed once or even works in progress. Um, look at the ones that you're really proud of. Is there, um, is there a pattern there with the color? Again, with those, you know, advancing and receding or using tints, tones, and shades, that kind of thing. Um, on the flip side, this would be really valuable. Look at those projects that you don't feel proud of number one, or that you have cast aside that you have abandoned it. Um, is there, had, did it become abandoned because of the color? Um, so what can you see about those? Um, or if there's a finished product that you just never wear because, um, it was a failed color scheme and it's like, Oh, they really, these colors really don't go that well together. Um, and start looking at those, characteristics. So I do hope that you will join me on this. And um, if you do, and you find out anything that's wonderful about yourself and your color sensibility, I would love to hear about it. So, you know, shoot me an email or send me or you know, tag me in an Instagram or a Facebook post. Um, I, I would love to hear what your journey with your collection is about and um, how it is that you are um, feeling about your color confidence. So until next time, happy making. Well, that's this episode of the Flying Goat Farm podcast. If you enjoyed it, please consider leaving a review. Have a question you'd like me to answer? Send an email to goatherd at flyinggoatfarm.com. And to see our farm, and yarn and roving, check out our website at flyinggoatfarm.com. Follow me at Flying Goat Farm on Facebook and Instagram, and I'm Goat Herd on Ravelry. Until next time, happy making! <laughs>